This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Does it make it easy for you, for us Met fans, to sit and watch the rest of the season? No. They did what I requested. They put me out of my misery. And I remember saying it over and over again. If they're not 500 by the trade deadline, sell. Get what you can and let's move on. In the back of my mind, my other thought process is, how good are we going to be next year? Who's going to be my pitching staff? What's my bullpen looking like? And who's going to be my manager? I don't see Showalter coming back. I mean, it's not his choice. I mean, he's under contract. But listen, I've watched an owner pay almost, what, $80 million to two players to play for somebody else. So he could easily afford to say goodbye to Buck Showalter if he watched it. Easily. On 98.7 ESPN. Talk a little bit about everything. Talk a little Jets, talk a little Giants, talk a little Mets, talk a little Yankees. We've had a little fun conversation here on 98.7. This is really interesting to me to watch, and I know it's early, and I guess what has got me even thinking a little bit about basketball now has been watching the uh, tournament and watching Jalen Brunson and watching him just get better and better and better at floor leader, floor generalship. And it is making me start to think a little bit because in about a month to six weeks, the NBA will start their training camp. And we got this preseason stuff, and we got this the tournament. No, I mean, just nuts. But nevertheless, it is starting to make me think a little bit about some basketball, just a little bit. And the fact of James Harden making his statement yesterday that he's not going to play for Philadelphia, and he's not going to play for the owner because the owner's a liar and all this other stuff. So it's caused me to think a little bit about what this NBA season is going to be for the New York Knicks. And I'm just really curious to see if this is the final product of this Knicks team. Will they have the opportunity to make a move, make a trade? Or will they be status quo? And while they have signed Josh Hart, and while they've added a three-point maker in DiVincenzo, um, there's still not enough. It's still the question of them needing a quality big man. Them needing a 3 and D player. Because I'm looking at the departure of Obi Toppin. And the first thing that comes into my mind is, and who is playing the four when Julius Randle goes to the bench again? So that that's a concern. And there's other, there's teams that have gotten better. I'm not sure what's going to happen in Philadelphia. I mean, if I'm Nick Nurse, I don't know what I'm walking into. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I have a guard. I don't know what Joel Embiid's going to do. I don't. I. I. I'm lost. I don't know what's going on there. And poor Buddha in the 76ers. He's just. Uh, he's just got to be pulling his hair out right now. 
But here's what I do know. I do know that I was I was a team with the Knicks that was really closer to the play-in than the top six before they made the move for Josh Hart at the deadline. Making the move for Josh Hart at the deadline put the Knicks in the position they were in. I don't know how far they would have gone if they didn't make that move. I just don't know. I'm serious. I don't know. And yes, he was rewarded with the contract and rightfully so. Now, you may say it was too high because what he brings to the table and whatnot, but he was a solid contributor to this team. When he came in, the team gelled. When he came in on this team, they went to a different level. And so the question becomes, what is this Nick team going to do? And what are they going to do, especially from a coaching standpoint in year four with Tom Thibodeau? Tom Thibodeau has been the coach for three years. Two of the three years he's gone to the playoffs. All right? And he went further this year than he did in his first year. So there's been progress. But you just begin to wonder, without any added talent, how far can this team go? Are they... Better than Boston? No. They've beaten Boston. They're not better than Boston. Are they better than Milwaukee? No. They've beaten Milwaukee. But the question becomes, can they beat Boston in the seven-game series? I don't think so. Can they beat Milwaukee in a seven-game series? I don't think so. I don't. Well, they didn't. (laughs) Right? And we know, and listen, I'm about to say they didn't when I'm talking about Miami. Okay, can they beat Miami in the seven game game series? Well, they didn't. Right? So that's three teams already we know that they're not better than. And yes, I get that they can make a move. And yes, I get that the season's not haven't even started yet. And yes, I understand they haven't made a move that Evan Fournier is still on this team. And it doesn't seem like anybody wants to take him off their hands if they're trying to give him away. So I get all of that. But ultimately, this team has got to make another move to get better talent-wise. Because if they don't, how can we expect them to be to go even further? How? How can we expect that with the minutes that Tibbs loves to play his veterans, with the fact that Julius Randle got hurt from being in a game that he really should not have been in the game at that time. And the same thing happened earlier in the season with R.J. Barrett, who got hurt when he was playing in the game that he should have been on the bench. How do we how do we get better with the same talent that we have? That you have, and once again, I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that Obi Toppin was the second coming of Giannis. But what I am saying in a league that requires you to be big and athletic, especially up front, the Knicks are not. And that, you know, no Toppin, there has to be a there has to be somebody that replaces him 
coming off there for Randall. And I would like to have some assurance and some backcourt depth for Jalen Brunson. Because when he wasn't in the lineup, this team was not the same. I mean, it wasn't even close to being the same. So as we start to to see what's going on, and as we get, like I said, six weeks away from the beginning of the season, the beginning of training camp and the season and stuff like that, I'm just really curious as to what I can expect from this Nick team. See, that's what happens when you when your baseball team is is messed up. You start looking ahead like I wouldn't be thinking about Knicks now. If the Mets were playing like they were supposed to be playing, I wouldn't be thinking about the Knicks right now. But that's what happens. Even though the Mets are 1-1 with Pittsburgh. I mean, that's what's going on now. Got me thinking NBA. And I want to be excited about the Knicks. I'm cautiously optimistic they'll be better. I'm cautiously optimistic that they will make a move either at the beginning of the season or at the trade deadline again. Cautiously optimistic. But what does that look like? And how how do I know this year is going to be different? Because previously in the four years that Tom Thibodeau has been head coach, this is the year where guys start to get tired of hearing him yelling at them. RJ, 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 left, RJ, RJ. Yeah, you was worried that you heard it for three years, like I'm done. Jalen, Jalen, Jalen. You hear him on TV. Sometimes he's louder than Breen and Clyde. It, it's it it takes a toll. The practices, the the minutes, it, it does. Now, listen, I, I love his coaching style. I love the defensive attitude with him. I love that. I do. But, I mean, you know, can we get some a little bit? Can we get a little more creative offensively? Can we get a little more movement offensively? Because one of the things we saw in the postseason last year, not so much against Cleveland, but definitely against Miami, okay, one of the things we saw is that really – uh, isolation offense is so easy to defend and they have to do a better job moving the basketball. Because, you know, listen, I love Jalen Brunson and what he brings to the table. I do. As a Nick fan, to have a point guard who can make plays and make decisions and put people in the right position, oh, it's, it's such a pleasure. It's like what people say about the Yankees that talk about Atlanta. That's what the rest of the league looks like. Oh, to have a point guard is so nice. Oh. But the isolation part of it sometimes, even with Brunson, the isolation part, they got to they gotta make some adjustments, man. Because the league is moving away from isolation. The league is moving towards movement. As you start talking about analytics of the league. <laughs> Oh, basketball analytics, right? We talk about pace and we talk about all these different things. Listen, that's not the Knicks. They're grinding out and, and you know, we get to the spin cycles and all this other stuff. So just had that thought. What 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 is my Nick team going to look like if they don't make any changes? What is this team going to look like? We'll get your thoughts. 1-800-919-3776. Your calls are next. It's Hardesty for Grasso on 98.7 ESPN.
This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Subi's in Midtown. Subi, you are next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. I was wondering why the Knicks, um, you know, why is, if there's any reason why the Knicks can't play any similar basketball to the Denver Nuggets, considering they do have Jalen Brunson and the Jamal Murray role. And I think Randall could adapt to his games more similar to Jokic. And I also want to say something regarding Thibodeau's future. Mm-hmm. I think they've been interviewing, uh, teams have been interviewing J.J. Redick, and I think he brings a lot to the table hmm. regarding, like, the future, you know, like, face of a franchise coach, and even on, like, a three-point shooting aspect, which the Knicks haven't developed over the past couple of years. I think Randall, I mean, uh, R.J. Barrett, if he develops that wing three-point shooter, which he did in some games, like he was pretty efficient in some games, I think that would be the that would be like the ace in the hole for the Knicks. That's all I got to say. All right, Subi, thanks for checking in. Uh, J.J. Redick has done a tremendous job watching him on first take with Stephen A. And in the NBA uh, shows that we have on ESPN, he is – he is smart. He's savvy. Uh, he loves analytics. He loves to break it down with the numbers. And I, I enjoy his thought process. And I'm sure that he's getting interviews. And now that he's getting moved up, he and Richard Jefferson, I think I was reading, you know, is going to be more involved with uh, uh, my good friend Ryan Rucco with the uh, broadcasting of NBA games. So... Uh, he's and that's perfect. You're on site. You get to see everything that's happening, and you're right there. So, yeah, I, I could I could see where you're saying that he's going to be a person that is going to be doing some interviews, and if he hasn't already, and will be doing more. I think. The, see, the thing that makes Denver so good, Subi, and you say he could say Randall could be in the Jokic role, but here's the problem: he clearly can't handle the ball like Jokic. And he doesn't have the court vision that Jokic has. Um, so that's the issue I have with that comparison and that position. Not that you're comparing him and Jokic, but you're comparing the roles. And so he doesn't give you he doesn't give you that that other point guard type of position uh, that Jokic gives you in Denver. Plus, they got a really good supporting cast, and they have you know they got some some guys on the wings that are pretty good. So you're you're from the point from from the Brunson standpoint, yeah, I could see Brunson Jamal Murray. I could see that. Uh, although once again, Brunson, you know, a little shorter, so a little more challenged defensively with some of the matchups that he's got to deal with. But that that's the that's the big thing. They just don't have the talent to match up. Uh, I agree with what you're saying with with RJ. RJ's just got to be more consistent, man. That's the thing. He's just got to be more consistent. You know, you need to see you, you need to see him consistently hit that three. You need to see him consistently go to the basket and, and finish strongly. And you started to see that in that Miami series as the series went on. You started to see more of him being the guy that we've expected him to be. But it's just it's just not consistent enough. Joe's in Long Beach. What's up, Joe? Evening, Larry. Great to be on the phone with you this evening. How you been? I've been great, Joe. Thanks for having me. Good. Got I got two quick me? points, if you'll let me. Well, thank sure. you for having me, sure. <laughs> Larry. 
Um, first, uh, a Nick point and a Yankee point, if you let me. Um, the Nick point, uh, I think RJ is averaging something like 25 points a game in the FIBA right now, mm-hmm. playing for mm-hmm. Team Canada. Yep. So you just spoke about it, right? If he can take that next step, you know, maybe averaging between 24 and 26 points a game. I know it's a big step for him, but if he can, obviously the three-point shooting, which we all know is his biggest Achilles heel, that could definitely put him in that number, in that category. Um, And then if we can have Jalen go from a star to what's been debated recently, an elite superstar, which I think he also has the potential to do, especially if he can average a double-double a game with assists and, let's say, 20 points a game. Um, I think if both of them take that necessary step, plus the draft picks and uh, um, the fact that we're in a good cap position to hopefully make a move at the deadline, maybe the Knicks can can take that next step, no? Yeah, I think they could, and and we'll have to see what they do. But, you know, the one thing is my concern, I I love what you're saying about Jalen Brunson scoring more and R.J. Barrett scoring more. I just want them to be efficient when they score. You know what I'm saying, Joe? I don't want people standing around watching them score. I want them to, right. to make it easy. I want them to get other people involved so they don't have to do that scoring load. There's going to be nights, yes, I need you to take that extra step. I need you to score more on this particular night because nobody's got it going. But I, I'm also encouraged, I would like to encourage them to make sure, Joe, that they, they get more involved with helping other people get off. I'd like to see some other people score. I'd like to see Quentin Grimes get more. I'd love to see Quentin Grimes just hit the basket instead of sweating after trying to defend somebody that's four inches taller than he is and then get in foul trouble and then try to also score from three. You know, I I, I need to see I need to see more involvement. I need to see, see more motion on this offense because it could be better. It's not really – the offense has not really changed. It's pound the ball. I mean, it's, it, for the most part. I mean, Brunson has made a difference. I'm not saying he hasn't. But sometimes at key moments when he gives it up, it's still pound the ball to Randall. Randall turns. Randall this, 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 this. Either he passes or he'll – it's just it's, – it's just – it's it's old. It's old. I need to see the ball move more. Keep the ball moving. Can you guys keep the ball moving? And then find the open guy. Movement. That's where the league is. Push the ball up court and move in the half court. That's what the successful teams do. And yeah, there's times when you have to slow it down and you run a play. I get that. But for the most part, that's not what they're doing. It's not what they're doing. And that's why you get in trouble. And that's why you end up grinding it out. And that's why sometimes in the half court, it looks like a struggle for the Knicks. Didn't it last year? That they were fighting uphill. Like, oh, they just slog through. And it's just like, oh, my God, can you push the basketball, please? Because when teams get set up, they pass. and They pass and they don't move. Okay, I get I, – <laughs> it's like, okay, you passed. I got it. But can you move also? You don't just pass and you don't just just stand around and look. How many times did we did they pass the ball? You pass the ball. You pass the ball. You know where Obi Toppin is. Obi Toppin is going to be in the corner. It's like, can you move somewhere else? Can you move elsewhere? Why hasn't this offense graduated? Why hasn't this offense been more 
productive? Why haven't they made some changes to it? You know, I get the personnel is the personnel. I get it. And I get the focus is defense. I understand that's the Knicks' identity. It's a defensive team. That's their ID. And hopefully they, they score some points. And they can, they can against some teams, they can look really good. But I just, I just, the isolation, the consistent isolation just drives me crazy. And they're not the only team. <laughs> they're not the only team. But that's my team. So I don't care about what the other teams. I, I want to see my team be able to be, to do both. There's times when you have to slow it down and, and take advantage of mismatches. And there's times that you have to push the basketball. And I'm very curious about how one player will respond after a very disappointing postseason. I'll share with you who that is next. You're listening to Hardesty for Grasso on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Back to the phones we go. Buddha is in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? Going on, huh? Everything is good, man. What's happening? Hey, listen, you know, Sunday after we spoke, I heard uh, what Ira calls, and then I heard Mark call afterwards. And, uh, you know, I love my big brother Mark to death. I mean, but, uh, you know, Ira goes to practice every day. If he tells you the offensive line is bad, I think he's going to take his word for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. <laughs> then you also, I mean, your, your quarterback told you the offensive line was bad. So if you're not going to believe him, I don't know who you're going to believe. I mean, I love Mark to death, man, but sometimes when he calls about the Jets, I feel like I'm watching a Tony Basil video. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. I mean, God, wow. brother, look the down. You're going back. Six and Mickey. Oh. He said the Jets are going to be 6-0. and oh. He yeah. said the Jets are going to the Super Bowl, and they're going to be 6-0. and oh. Can they win that first game? Can they win that first game against Buffalo? Can we just do that? Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I'm glad they got Dalvin Cook. You know, I feel like they overpaid a little bit for him, which kind of shows the desperation, which could be a bad thing or a good thing. You know, we'll see how it plays out during the season. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you can have all the shiny tools and spinning wheels and all the different things on the ride. If the motor is not good, the car's not going anywhere. So that offensive line has to get fixed. And I know that you can't get, like, a great starting tackle, mm-hmm. but you can get better than what you got. You understand know what I'm saying? So they're going to have to make a move. The five offensive linemen that are going to start the season for the Jets, if they're going to be a playoff team, there might be three of them on the team right now, you know, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Might be right. Might be right. But but now, listen, let's get down to business. And uh, let's talk about, you know, the elephant in the room, in the lobby, in the elevator. I mean, he's everywhere. You know, and, and, and James Harden's a piece of garbage. I'm sorry. You know, I hate to say that about somebody, you know, but that's how I feel about him as a player. I never wanted him there in the first place, you know. So, now, you know, he's going to do his thing, which we all knew he was going to do. I don't know why Daryl Morey thought he was going to do something different. But, you know, the, the, the problem that I have with the whole situation is why did you extend him and yeah. give him a player option? Yep. Like, he's some Kobe Bryant or something like that. I mean, those are the kind of players you do stuff like that with. I mean, that 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 didn't make any sense. So when Maury's going to be sitting there acting like, you know, Harden did this and did that to him, you did it to yourself, homie. 
and then you did it to us. So, you know, now we got passive-aggressive Joel scrubbing stuff off of his uh, Instagram or whatever page. Like, that means something. You know, he needs to be healthy, too. There's a part of me that thinks, honestly, I don't think we're winning any title with him anyway. And the way the league has changed, I mean, he's not a Jokic-type center that's going to be facilitating the offense and all that. I think that if your best player is the center like the way he is, you're not going to win with the way the rules are. So mm-hmm. I might want to trade him off, you know, personally. I, I don't – I just – this thing has turned into a bad situation. Yeah. But, you know, what, what makes it worse, and what really, you know, what really aggravates me about Maury is, like, him and James Harden, neither one of them are realistic. Harden thinks that he's the guy from 28, uh, you know, at 28 years old. Listen, bro, nobody wants you. And it's been yeah. made clear and evident through the attempts to make trades. But there is one team that's stupid enough to take him, and that's the Clippers. Yeah, and I don't true. care – what the Clippers were offering. I don't care what the Clippers were offering. Maury's sitting there trying to act like you want to hold on to this guy and get somewhat equal value. What is equal value for a declining player? You got to take whatever you can get, get him off the team, get the stench off the team, because like you said, and like I said the other day, this is not fair to Nick Nurse. Like, he had other options as a coach. Mm-hmm. Now, he comes in here and thinks things is going to be a certain way, and then now they're not. It's not good, man. It's really not good. And I'm teasing you know what off about it, man. You have to be, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call. You do, because here's the situation where you're thinking that if you're Nick Nurse, you're like, you know what? I can tweak some things. I can maneuver some things. I may not be, you know, I may. What can I do with Harden? You know, he's going to be a person that's going to give me some issues, but I think I can work some things out and get him to where we can do some things and and we can be successful. As long as I got a healthy Embiid, as long as I have that, and and I can get some other guys. I got Tyrese Maxey on the team. I'm a playoff team. And with a couple of adjustments with me defensively and with me offensively, I think we can do some things. Now you come in. No, Harden cannot still be with this team on opening night. You've got to make a move to get him out of there. He doesn't want to be there. Okay? And you don't want the situation like he had in Houston. That's not what you want. Embiid is, you know, whiny. <laughs> All right? he He's not happy. And so that's two-thirds of your, of your starting lineup last year. And two... two Thirds of the, of the top of your top scorers in that starting lineup, and you're Nick Nurse. You're like, what is going on here? If I had known this was going to happen, maybe I should not have taken this job. It's a tough situation, and and I'm just not sure how it's going to break down. But I agree with with Buddha. I'm ready to move on from James Harden. If I can get, uh, if I can get something for Embiid. If I can get something rather for Harden and I'm the Clippers and I'm the Sixers, he wants to go back there. I'll make that move. Now I know how Ty Lue feels about it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's what I would do if I was Philly. Richardson Rochester. What's up, Rich? <clears throat> what's up, Larry? Hey, um, I turned you on about a half hour ago. I was listening to you talk about how the Knicks didn't make it sounded a little disrespectful to Dante DiVincenzo. Like you didn't even mention him. 
I did mention I mean, them earlier. I mentioned them before. You, you did. Okay, in. I didn't hear when you were saying, yeah. like, you know, the, you know, are they going to pull the trigger on another player? I think that's a pretty big one. Like, you just made a point about Josh Hart, which at the time that they signed Josh Hart, it didn't move the needle, but it was the right fit, and it worked, and he is, you know, he's a good player moving forward for them. This is a, the DiVincenzo thing is exactly that. He's going to fit beautifully. Um, I'm a big I'm Knicks and Warriors fan. I mean, I mm-hmm. watched him all year. I mean, the Warriors would have wanted him back. They just couldn't have afforded him. He's a great two-way player. And by the way, on the coaching tip, I would have to say with the three Nova guys, I mean, you got to at least talk about Jay Wright if you're going to talk about uh, what's his name, uh, JJ Redick. I think Jay yeah. Wright is going to be. Um, but what do you? I mean, are you I just, just to I be mean, honest with you, Richard? Where are I- you? I, to be honest with you, I'll let you finish. To be honest with you, if I'm Jay Wright, I'm not leaving. I'm happy where I am. Okay. No, <laughs> I've I mean, got he's, control yeah, he's, where yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah, and he's and he's very respectful. He's not going to say is. boo Absolutely. about that job no. while uh, while Tibbs had it. But but where are you with uh, DiVincenzo? Because I think that's a big move. I mean, respectfully, it just seems like people want to have like to press the button to make win a championship. There is no button for that. Like it's just a process. They got to get better players, and I think they're on their way. And I think a lot of what you were describing about how they struggled last year was more indicative of just the series against Miami, which who made a lot of teams' offense look bad last year. I really don't think it's that bad. I mean, with Brunson at the point, you're not getting that free-flowing offense that you want. You know what he does. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's uh, just not his he, thing. He, he, it's true. He does. And I did mention the fact that I'd like to see him move the basketball a little bit. But, yeah, when, but, he, but when he's number one and Randall's number two, Richard, that offense, that's why you need to have some movement on that offense because it's not uh, going to go anywhere. But, but, but agreed, but three of your top players dribble the ball into the pavement, which is Randall, Brunson, and, and Barrett. So that's why Mitchell Robinson works out great because he never puts it on the floor. And then ideally, who's ever at the shooting guard, you know, the 3 and D thing, like with Grimes, you know, maybe playing like Clay Thompson style where you don't put the ball on the floor, you just move for open shots. That's mm-hmm. going to work. But I think Randall becomes the problem, ultimately. He, he just Always. He always, always. is. Now, listen, we're, and with <laughs> DiVincenzo, Richard, and thanks for the phone call, I, I, enjoy, I, I, go, I wanted him on the Knicks since his days in Milwaukee when he helped that team get to the postseason. So I have the utmost respect. I was very happy they got him because they need three-point makers on that team. So don't, that's why I mentioned it before you were listening. He is definitely – an addition. My problem with the Knicks was what, where's that three and D guy in the starting rotation? And if not the starting rotation, who's backing up Julius Randle to give you some size. That's my concern with this team. And yeah, you know, there is no magic button that you push to be automatically a championship, but you have to build towards it. And you know, from the front court and depth, I don't see that. I don't see that with this team. They need to make another move. Now, maybe they will. Like I said, the only reason I'm talking Knicks right now on August 15th is because my Mets are t- killing me. I'm not even, you know, I'm not, they're wearing me out. You know, I'm watching them, you know, get get whipped by the Pirates right now, which is not a surprise because last night, going into last night's game, they had the same record. But, yeah, I'm curious. I want to see what else they do. Because, once again, when Leon Rose came here, it was supposed to be about, you know, making sure that he has this connection and CAA and former players and stuff like that. So, no. Dante is a very good player. Now, what I teased was 
you know, the guy that did not have a good postseason, especially against Miami, was one Emmanuel quickly. And so I want to see what he learned from that experience. And I want to see how he responds. I know he wants to get paid. So how does he come back from that? What does he do? How does he uh, up his game? Okay, how does he do that? And Richard, what you said was right about Miami. They always, because of the way they play, they always make your offense look bad. But to be honest, had Cleveland had a little bit more experience, the Knicks might have struggled against Cleveland a little more than they did. It's just because their front line was was afraid. It was the most passive aggressive front line I've seen. Considering how they played in the in the regular season. They weren't even close to that in the post. They weren't even close to that in the series against the Knicks. Not even close. And so while I I, you know, expected that it was all going to be about Donovan Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell against the Knicks and how that was going to turn out and so on and so forth. Sure. But, you know, I'm just really curious to see how they take that next step. What will they do? Because it's about size and athleticism on your front line. Can they make an adjustment? We'll see what happens. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. So this is, this is a, <laughs> I know people left City Field after the score was 6-1. And the Pirates made it 7-1 before the Mets came to bat. And the Mets have made it, cut the lead now to 7-4. And see, once again, this is, this is how I view this as a, as a fan right now. This is how I look at this season. This is how I look at this game. It's not the, uh, oh, man, what is going on? Oh, I'm not, I, I don't expect anything. All I'm looking for is how the kids do. Okay? Uh, of course, and, and it's weird, right? It's weird. I'm not, how to explain this, Harvey, Julian? I'm not rooting for them to lose. Okay, and I get there's something if they finish, they keep their pick or something or money or whatever it is. If they if they lose enough games, stuff they don't have to pay something, whatever it is. Okay, I get all that. So, but so I'm not rooting for them to lose. But I'm kind of looking at it. I'm I'm just looking at it, right? And because the host part of me has to still kind of analyze it a little bit. The fan part of me is just like, <laughs> I would, you know, you would, you would look in on it. You'd maybe watch something else and come back to it. You're not invested. That's what I'm trying to say, Harvey. I'm not invested into it. Like you as a Yankee fan, you're not invested. As soon as, as soon as Severino gave up the three runs in the first inning, the game was over. You knew, you knew, you knew. Yeah, you could pack it up. It's done. And so 
I'm looking at Pittsburgh, and, and so what do I say? Do I say, God, you can't even beat Pittsburgh? Well, there's one game difference in record. I can't expect them to be dominating Pittsburgh. They're not that good. The Mets aren't good. Like the Yankees aren't good. So as a fan, you're not rooting for them to lose. You, you, you have, you, like Spike called early, so he's done watching. A couple of other people have called. We're done, done watching them doing other stuff. You know, even even if I wasn't a host as a fan, I would still peek in. Not might catch up on Ben's watching some series instead of watching them. They're not. They're no. Put it this way: they're no longer appointment TV, right? They're eh, maybe TV. If I were as a fan, once again, as a host, I got to keep up with this. So I have to watch it. But the fan part of me is just like, okay, what, what, what am I looking for? What, what, what's keeping me involved in this? What, what am I looking to see? And once again, obviously, it's, you know, Francisco Alvarez. I want to see what he's doing. It's Pete Alonso. I want to see, even in the, even in the season that has gone horribly wrong, I want to see him, you know, hit some home runs. That's exciting. I want to see, I want to see them do well. Even if they lose, I want, I want to be entertained. And for so much of the season, I've been moaning. <laughs> I've not been entertained. I've been frustrated. I've been in agony because of the way they've played. Much like a lot of Yankee fans I've spoken with. They've been in agony. They're just done. It's like, can we move on? And the frustrating thing is that it's August. Okay, if this was, if this was, if the trade deadline was September 1, and you make all your moves September 1, you say, you know, okay, you can ride out the last month of the season. You can ride that out. But you're talking about riding out the last two months. I mean, that's that's torture. To just watch your team lose and lose. And once again, to lose the way they were hammered by Atlanta this weekend even though you know you don't have a good team, I mean that's just—I mean it was—it was—it was excruciating, <laughs> as you can tell, because I'm still talking about it. And it was two days ago, and it's still just like that double header was like, oh man, how, wow, that first game, 21 runs, 21. It's just like home run after home run after home run after home run. Six from Atlanta. Six. All right. Like tonight. The Mets have had 10 walks. And so as a fan and also as a host, you're wondering what the front office sees. Okay. You look at your pitching staff tonight and they had 10 walks. Okay. So, to a to a team that's not really good, and yeah, it's one game. But but, so how do you assess that? How do you turn that? How do you turn that around to say, okay, we need to move on from this person, or we need to move on from that person? So that's what this time of the year is good for. And that's where decisions are made. And so hopefully you are, you're watching this and you're saying. Please be honest. 
Don't look at numbers alone. Look at what you saw. The eye test is also meaningful. If this is another outing where a guy couldn't get, you know, wasn't around the plate or had issues or something of that nature, considering the opposition, that has to make a major factor. Okay, if you got 10 walks against Atlanta, it's not the same as getting 10 walks against Pittsburgh. Giving up six home runs to Atlanta is not the same as giving up six home runs to Pittsburgh. Yes, they're major league players, but there are levels of experience and talent at each level on each team. So that's what you're hoping that the folks are doing as far as the Mets are concerned, so they make notes about making changes for next season. If you're a Yankee fan, you're just saying, I hope they make notes, but it didn't change what they did last year to this year, so are, are they really making notes? What are they really doing? It, 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 how could Luis... I, I just feel bad for Luis Severino. I do. Seems like a nice kid. When he's when he's able to pitch, he pitches. When he's healthy, he pitches. Usually, he pitches well. When he's been injured and come back, it's taken him a few outings, but he gets back on the horse. He has not been good since this coming back from this injury. He is not. And you know, he's not going to be with the Yankees next year. That's clear. But you just wonder what his future is going to be like. Yeah, he'll get an opportunity. He'll go somewhere. His career is not over, I don't think. But to be so young, to have him, you know, just to see him just struggle like this when he still has good stuff, he just can't locate it. It's almost like he's telling people what I'm throwing and they're just sitting back there and hitting it out of the ballpark. It's crazy. It's crazy. That wraps up this edition of the Dan Grosser Show. Larry Harsty filling in. Harvey, Julian, thank you very much. Up next, Ty Butler, load him up. 1-800-919-3776. Big Daddy Ty Butler's next on 98.7 ESPN.